0: Satora Parviz Os Gimel Cook writes that not only does the Torah address the lofty and not only does the Torah speak of Hashem in a way of Giloi, but Hashem helps us through the Torah to navigate those parts of life that are more associated with Hester pun meaning it's one thing to say we'll read it inside in a second it's one thing to say that Hashem took his infinite mind place machshava and he was mislabish that mind into different profound and lofty philosophical ideas about the world. But to then go so far as to say that Hashem was mislabish his mind into the laws, you'll pardon me for the crudeness of it, but that's exactly the point. That Hashem was mislabish the ain'ts of Baruch in laws that talk about which hand and precisely which fingers you should be using when you're using, even through the means of using some sort of uh, tissue or toilet paper, or something to, to, to clean yourself, you have to go to the bathroom, that which finger and which hand you use to apply pressure, that somehow that contains, I mean, it's, it sounds heretical to say such a thing. You know? I remember, there's a halach in Shulchan that when a person goes to the bathroom, we actually don't do this anymore, because uh, we're concerned because of yuhara, that doing this will seem haughty uh, There's actually a decent amount of halachic literature. I'll just give you a brief synopsis of the of the sugya but when a person is about to enter into the bathroom to take care of their needs there's a Yehi Ratzon that one is supposed to say before it, look in the Shulchan ark, sorry, that basically says Ah, you malachim that are following me around uh, my guardian angels, you, this is I'm about to go into a place which is very disgusting and very low. You know, and so therefore you should stay out here, wait for me here, and when I come back out, then we'll we'll regroup. And that's the hero's thing to say. And the post can say that it's not appropriate for a person to say that Bisman is that because who am I to think that I have guardian angels that are walking around with me? You know, maybe Bisman uh, the Beis Yosef, the Beis Yosef could say such a thing, but for a person to say such a thing smacks of some level of hubris that you think you're walking around with angels that are taking care of you that are you know that are looking over you, and so we don't really say that as one well as that in fact, the post came ask the question if that's true, then how come there is leaving aside any questions about uh the appropriateness of asking an angel to bless you and all these other questions that come up with Shalom mallichham on Friday night, <coughs> but if it's true that it's considered some sort of religious uh, arrogance to say this yihiratzon, and therefore we don't, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm the exception to the rule in this uh, distinguished crowd, but <coughs> I certainly don't say this yihiratzon, and I would venture to say that probably none of you say the yihiratzon as well, and the reason we don't say it is because we're afraid to make a claim that we're being followed around by Malachim, but yet I imagine that all of us uh, on Friday night sing Shalom Aleichem. So the Puskim say that on Shabbos it's different. Shabbos is different. On Shabbos, a Jew could say that there's Malachim because on Shabbos already, Neshami Yaseira, a Jew lives differently on Shabbos. Their, their back is a little straighter on Shabbos. Their ability to choose well is a little bit fortified on Shabbos. Since they're on Shabbos, a Jew has the wherewithal to say this. But I say this all by contrast to the fact that, okay, so we tell the Malachim stay outside and we're about to go into the bathroom. After a Jew comes out of the bathroom, what do they do? They say, Asher Yatzar Esadam B'Chachma. You in front of your divine throne are busy looking after and making sure that you know, that all the different holes and all the different uh, you know, pipelines that are supposed to make sure that I can go to the bathroom are working properly. So I understand, okay, the bathroom is is too holy for angels, but the master of the universe, the creator of the world, goes down into the bathroom and makes sure that the pipelines are, you know, are being, are, 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 act, are being acted upon in this way. It's like a crazy thing to say. And yet, that is the godless of Torah Hashem. How is Hashem entering into that space? It's because the Torah itself has halachos, so about what a person is supposed to do in that place. I once heard from a, uh, from a great man that he told me that he heard from Sadiqim. I heard this from Rabbi Yoshua Gerzi. Shlita, for those of you who... So Rabbi Gerzi once told me that he heard from certain Sadiqim that when children, you know, it's a funny thing, if you've ever seen this, sometimes, I mean, I bless you all that you should see this I with your own eyes, it, yeah. but when you have children, so you'll sometimes see that, you know, you're like trying to teach the kid how to, like, make brachos, or, like, how to say shmar, or, like, how to bench, like, how to do something, and they're, they're a kid, you know, they're three, three, four, five years old, and, like, you know, it's not really getting through, all of a sudden, when they're in the bathroom, or, like, you know, they're taking a bath, or, like, you know, out of the bathroom, and all of a sudden, like the whole benching comes out, you know, and they start like saying all the, you're like, no, no, we're like, not in here. So, I, we have a, I have a tradition, I have a tradition that I received from of Gurzi, that he's received from Tzadikim, and he, I wrote down somewhere who they were, I don't remember what the, what the length of the line of tradition is, that goes back to the Baal Shem Tov, that the Baal Shem Tov said that when children say God's name in the bathroom, or are speaking about these things in the bathroom, you shouldn't, you shouldn't stop them. Because Hashem has Hanah from it. Because, sure, Hashem is in the bathroom also. Meaning I can't say that. I mean even just saying it right now makes me uncomfortable. <coughs> but saying Hashem's name <coughs> Excuse me in the bathroom is inappropriate for me because of my lack of my own purity. But for a child for a child to say God's name in the bathroom, you shouldn't stop them. That there's there's a certain will of God which can only be done by a child, you know? That a child the purity of a child can allow for such a thing that but Hashem is, is, is everywhere. And the reason that Hashem is everywhere, and the way that Hashem transmits Himself to every corner of the earth, to every tiny minuscule thing, and we'll see the Lashonos of R' so beautifully in a minute, is because through the Torah, since the Torah has something to say about how a person should operate in the bathroom, how a person should orient themselves in the bathroom, exactly what's the order of putting on uh, my clothing and taking off my clothing, exactly how a person should shower themselves exactly how a person should dress themselves. exactly the tiniest details of life are all the Torah somehow comes down and dresses itself in. The fact that the Torah dresses itself in these big philosophical ideas is not such a big deal. But the fact that the Torah has something to say about how I, I comport myself when I'm at war, that I should bury my own excrement during war, is an amazing testament, not to the loneliness of the Torah, but to the, to the unbelievable humility of Hashem and to the ability of taking these infinite ideas and tailoring them down into the most minuscule details of the Torah. In, in the work that I'm working on right now, translating Rav Or Orza Torah into English, so I, I gave each of the little subsections here, because they're not, they just have, even the, the letters, Aleph, Be'ez, Gimel O'Dad, were added afterwards. These were taken from manuscripts, as I've mentioned many times. But there's no chapter titles for, I mean, there's chapter titles for the general, right, like the, the second chapter is all about Torah Lishma. Right, so, but that's the general theme. And then you have Aleph Bey's Gimel, Dalit, And so for each one of the things, I gave like a subtitle for each of the paragraphs, because each paragraph is a standalone idea. So this paragraph I subtitled as a, a light that is tailor-fit for this world. It's tailor-fit. The, the way the Torah comes down into this world and uh, is form-fitting to, to exactly the needs of the world so that it can tell us how to navigate... And what one ought to do in every situation is, is, uh, is remarkable. So Rav Cook says, When a person comes to study Torah and they're studying not the lofty matters that we spoke about in Oz Right? What do we say in Oz In Oz we read, find it, in Oz we read, the main aspect of Torah is when we're studying Dvarm Ruchniyim, we're studying these lofty matters. But but the main that that's that that's the main Torah Why? Because what's the goal of Torah It's to understand the Torah in a way that we simultaneously understand what the Torah means and our Davak Tashem. Both the Lithuanian and the Hasidic way of learning Torah when they come together. So when you're trying to understand Dvar ruchnim when you're trying to understand names of God and Sfiros and you know and these profound ideas, so it's very easy. The P'shat is dvikus Basham. However, when a person is studying Torah with Dvaram pshutim, you get to see another aspect of Torah Lishma, which is to see how the Torah is so perfectly tailored to this world. Yure ech yared or haelion bitsurah nifla. When a person learns Dvarm pshutim, when a person learns some nitty-gritty detail of the Halacha, and, and it's not accidental that the, the Talmud begins, that the Gemara begins with Masechus Brachos. You cannot go a page or maybe two of Masechus Brachos without talking about Tsoa or some other bodily emission. And the Torah gets like so down in the nitty gritty details of what is considered this and that. And we're talking about things that are like, this has no place in the Torah on a certain, you would think on a certain level. But you get to see Yira Ech Yorad Or elyon Batsura Nifla Ad Shinis Yashayv Kol Kach Hamasa. We begin to see how this supernal light comes down in a remarkable fashion Batsura Nifla Ad Shinis Yashev until it settles and it rests in the way called Kach Hamasa. It feels so comfortable in the world. What, what makes the Torah, what separates the Torah, I remember I once heard uh, uh, Shmuz from Ger um, Tzedek, uh, a convert to Judaism, he lives in Tzfat, or at least he used to live in Tzfat, I think he still does live there, who was slotted to be, he's like one of these guys, he gives like uh, talks, when I was 18, I heard him, when I was in Rishet for the year, this fellow came and spoke to us, we were in Tzfat for Shabbos, he was slotted to be the crown. He was the crown prince. He was slotted to be the king of Swaziland. Swaziland is a small, little kingdom. His father is the king of Swaziland. He it was the next line to be the crown prince of Swaziland, and he uh, converted to Judaism. What he said convinced him to convert to Judaism, is that he was he was pretty. Uh, he had a knack for languages. He had a knack for languages. And he said that he went to go study and he was living in Swaziland. Meaning this king has like, can kill people. That's the king of Swaziland. They have like, if you, if you go into the king's throne room and you stand up taller than the king when he's sitting there, you have to like bend down so that you're not, your head isn't above his head, he can kill you. I don't know if he would, but he could in the laws, you know, in the bylaws. Mm-hmm. So his son, I don't know exactly where Swaziland is. It sounds like it's, a made up place, but it's, it's a pocket in South Africa. There you go. Okay. So, thank you. So, the crown prince of Swaziland was sent by his father to go study in England, to go study in Oxford, because he was a very bright kid, and I guess he had some pull being the crown prince. <laughs> and uh, they appreciate royalty in the, Queens, in the Queensland. And he, he got, went to Oxford, and he was studying different languages. Now, at some point along the way, he took a course uh, in Hebrew. And he described to us that somewhere in this course they were given an assignment to read the Akedat Yitzchak in the original Hebrew. And he says to this day, he doesn't, can't really fully explain it, but he said when he was reading it in the original Hebrew, he was like transfixed by the language, by the words, and like there was something about it that drew him in that he was like, what is Judaism? Like, what is this? He said he went to the library, and this and I understand why I'm telling you this story. He went to the Oxford Library, found this the section on Judaism, and he he was taking a course in Hebrew, but he wasn't fluent in Hebrew. He he got through, with some guidance from the librarian, he got an English translation, a copy of the Rambam's Yad Ha'azakah, of the Mishnah Torah, and said that he spent, like, the next few months just, like, reading through the Yad Ha'azakah. And he said what... At this point he was just curious, you know. He said what eventually brought him to like start considering like, oh my gosh, like I might want to become Jewish is that as he was going through the Adah HaZakah, as he was going through the Adah HaZakah, he was blown away by the just the breadth of covering every single area of life. There is not a single there there's a section of the Adah HaZakah on different types of agricultural like you know like what's considered a new tree and not a new tree and there's different parts of Yarach that like, talk about different parts of the body and what is capable and you know, like just like the the breadth of how all inclusive. How what basically what he said in this forty five minute speech is what he said is that shoot them when a person learns Tor shoot them. He didn't quote Rav Cook. But he said, but you see how the or ha'elyon, how this supernal light of God, whatever it was that he felt or he, he, he somehow touched when he was learning about the Akedus Yitzchak, how that somehow that light of God transfers and becomes how that comes and it settles down and is tailored so perfectly to the world of action." that it tells a person how to interact with with everything in the world. And it expands his heart. There's something that's heart-expanding when a person begins to see that the Torah addresses the most petty concerns of life. To the point that there's almost like an inverse relationship with Torah. The more... Mundane the Torah seems to be, says Cook, the more mind-blowing it is that the Torah is even addressing this. Hanovim in the Kurkadushakadoshim. These seemingly minutia, these seemingly you know, almost irrelevant aspects of life are flowing. We could draw a direct line and show how these things are novin, they're flowing, they're flowing from the source of the Holy of Holies itself. And what is drawing the light from this perfect place of Kedusha down into this world? It is the path of the Jewish people who have taken this supernal light of the Torah and drawn it down into the most practical details of the world, like one. And I, I, I hope that you know, I'm not, I'm not overdoing it. But one of the things that, you know, that inspires me most. One of the things that inspires me most in my Judaism is when, in a particular, I don't know, a Shabbos, you know, and. My wife has a shila, my wife will ask me, you know, or, or, or just Stam, any shila in the, in the kitchen, or it's like, you know, I accidentally touched this pot to this thing, and, and how does that, and you get into this, like, like, why are we, how did Hashem get here? Like, we're just making macaroni. Like, wh- how did all of a sudden Hashem enter into this conversation? Or like, something in Hilchashab, was like, am I allowed to put this directly on the plata, or is it too liquidy, or, you know, it's like, like, what? Like, why is the Torah addressing that? And yet, Hashem, through His Torah, is endowing every single aspect of life with Kedusha. Last night I spoke uh, on a panel, together with Rav Blau and Rav Bini, we were talking to some of the alumni, although some of you I think were there. We were speaking about Kedusha Sistral, and I was explaining the position of the Mekubalim, which Rav Kuk was certainly part of this camp, that sees that, there's a distinction between Amisra. I'm just going off of this line, it's the light of the Jewish people that brings us down to the world, that when we say in Havdalah, so it is absolutely, and without a, a, without a thread of any embarrassment, that I say, that only a Jew is capable of Kedusha. Non-Jews are capable of, of being of being wise people, of being tzadikim, even the righteous of the nations of the world. But to be kadosh means to somehow bring Hashem's or Elyon and to have it settle. If Kedusha, as I explained yesterday in the panel, as I explained, Kedusha is not something that a human being can create. A human being can create something beautiful, a human being can do something righteous, a human being can do something even you know, that's, 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 prof- that's profoundly, you know, tinged with this otherworldliness of what it means to be a human being, made B'Tselem Elohim, and Andrew's enjoy all of that. But only being commanded from the top down, only having a Torah where there's a command that says, this is how you should do something, you should pick up these four species and shake them on this date. You should eat matzah on this date. You should hear shofar on this date. You should abstain from wearing certain types of clothing. And you must wear other types of clothing when you're wearing a 4 cornered garment. All of those things create kedusha, Because kedusha is the impossible leap between the infinite and the finite. We are all finite. Human beings are finite. Both us and our, our fellow human beings were all made betzel elokim we're in the shadow of God, but we're finite. What distinguishes the Jewish people is that we were given a Torah to, that says, you must do this, you ought to do this, and you ought not to do this. That's what creates Kedusha. And so, when the Or Elyon comes down into the world and says, you must do this, and this is a remarkable thing, this is what I, I, I I'll just, I'm sorry for repeating it for those who were there last night, but it's not all of you. What distinguishes Torah from the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noah, is that the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noah are all sases They're all things that you must, you must not do. <coughs> things you must not do if you want to be part of humanity. You can't kill people if you want to be part of humanity. You can't take someone else's spouse if you want to be part of humanity. You can't, you can't, you can't, st- you can't steal or kidnap. You can't eat a living animal without first... Uh, you, these, these are not things... You can't curse God. About courts. Oh... The creation of a court is something which is not on any individual non right? It's something which is created on the, on the, on the, the, the large. It's a very good, very good point, and Rav Hutner has a big essay about this, or he's the one who pointed this out the distinction between. Which is why, by the way, Hashem never says that there's a. There's a. Uh, there's never a Kabbalah of the Shem Mitzvah Noach. We don't have Kabbalah Satorah of the Shem Mitzvah Noach. Because i are not asking. He's saying these are the limits of what it means to be a human being. Right? Part of that is, what does it mean to make a court? What does it mean to make a court? That's what part of what R- 100 describes in that essay. What does it mean to make a court? It means use, what, what's the expectation? The expectation is use human logic to dictate right and wrong to the best of your ability. But I'm not telling you what to do. Which is why there's a, such a strong uh, distaste in Torah for going to our coast, going to a non-Jewish court when you have the possibility of going to a Jewish court. Because you're, ch- you're choosing to go to a place where there's human reason, which again, there's nothing wrong with it. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what, that's what, that's what we were supposed to do until we got the Torah. But Kedushas HaTorah, which is by, also why I quoted last night uh, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, that every person is made with Selenah Elokim, but Am are called banim Bonim and that same Mishnah says, because we were given the clay Chemda of Hashem, we were given the Torah. The Torah is what gives us Kedusha that we can then somehow, through the Shvil Yisrael in the world, our mandate to go and to interpret the Torah and to make sure that every single facet of our lives touches this level of Kedusha, touches this commandedness of what I can do and what I can't do. Sorry, just to finish that thought. I got slightly pulled away from that for a second. That the Shev and Zenoch are not something that are accepted. Hashem says you must do this. To, to create Kedusha, the Jewish people had to be willing to, to, to enter into that space because that's not just demanding of being a human being. That's demanding being above humanity. There was a tzaddik who one time was approached and asked, uh, how could you say in these mystical svarim, that the Jewish people are like the pinnacle of creation above, that they're like a, a level above, they're the highest level of creation even above a regular human being. Isn't that like so, that's like smacks of uh, something that's not so good. It doesn't sound, doesn't sound good. So the tzalec said, no, you misunderstood. He said, he said you, he said you and all the rest of humanity are the highest in creation. The non-Jews are the highest part of creation. Right? There's, there's, there's inanimate objects, and there's tzolmeach, and, there's, and there's, there's animals, and there's medaba there's human beings. And the human beings are the pinnacle of creation. The non-Jews are the pinnacle of creation. He said the Jewish people are not really part of creation. We're like, we're like not really part of creation. We're part of this thing called Kedusha, which is something beyond creation. You're the highest part of creation. The Jewish people don't really, we shouldn't exist. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense that a person should be mandated by Hashem, that their every move should be taken <coughs> from the Or Elyon, <coughs> that, that the, somehow the Or Elion is able to come down into the physical world, is only something that a Jewish person is capable of doing. Which is why there's no expectation, nor should there be, that a non-Jew should, I'm sorry to keep picking on this example, but that a non-Jew should clean himself in the bathroom a certain way. Clean yourself however you want to clean yourself. Only a Jewish person can be commanded because to take kedusha to bring it into the bathroom is only possible if you're not really part of this. You're somehow a, a, a above creation, which is why my dear Rebbe Rav Moshe Weinberger, in one of his shir, I think it's in the last year, the very last year, <coughs> in his series on Nishmas Yisrael that talks about the the distinct, uh, I happened to just because we had this thing last night, so. But Hanovim in the or or Israel. My said in the last in the last uh, shir there he was quoting from a piece from Rav Cook that Rav Cook took issue with the Kuzari, the Kuzari that says that Am Yisrael is like the heart of the body, and the rest of the body is um, is like the nations of the world. In other words, the heart gives blood to the rest of the world and its job, right? The heart is not against the rest of the body. The heart is there to take care of the rest of the body and to spread its vitality to the rest of the world so that the rest of the world can do what they're experts in, right? Because every nation has an expertise. Every nation has something that they're bringing to the table. That's part of the messianic era that, in fact, part of the godless of the... I didn't even think I would speak about this last night, but part of the godless of the idea of the chosen nation, that we are a chosen people, right? It's never my forte to speak about other religions, but the other, world, the other major world religions don't have a concept of chosenness. They claim that this is a universal religion for all people. Which means what? Think about this, the inversion of this. It mean, if you say that you're the chosen people, it means that we have a certain job, the Jewish people have a particular mission, and you could be part of the world and not be part of that mission. In other words, you still have a place in the world to come, even if you're... We never had an expectation everyone has to be Jewish. There's a chosen people And there are people who are part of that internal sphere of being the chosen people. But you don't have to join that. You could be a good, decent, moral, even remarkable human being and even have a place in the world to come. In other religions, the reason why, if you don't believe in this religion, you go to hell automatically, is because there's no concept of chosenness. If we would say, like, this is one subsection of of what it means to be a person in the world and everybody else is human beings. And that's Kvaldik. That's a very high level. But if you're going to say that this is the universal religion and either you're part of it or you're not part of it and then you're not, you're subhuman. (laughs) That's where things get very messed up. And so the concept of chosenness is the exact opposite of what it's claimed to be in the world. When people look at chosenness and say, isn't that like racism? It's like, no. It means that every person is a human being and if you want to be part of this thing, this is something. But you don't have to in order to be a person. In order to to, to look at yourself and say, I have worth in the world. Because I'm created with El Kim, even if I'm not part of this. It's only when you start to say that this religion is a universal religion, and if you're not part of it, then you're subhuman. Then things get very messed up. And so Am Yisrael is given the task, and anybody is welcome to be a part of Am Yisrael, although it's not, not a simple thing to do. To bring kedusha down into the world, or Yisrael olam kula. To bring kedushas this this or elyon down into the, into the fine details of the world. Because that's quite a tall order. To bring Hashem to the kitchen, to bring Hashem to the bedroom, to bring Hashem to the office, to bring Hashem to the, into the bathroom even. When a person knows with absolute clarity, with absolute certainty, that this, that this light has been able to come down and to be tailor-made into this world, a Jew somehow takes this light and subdivides it and subdivides it into different words and different letters or in the realm more of action into minhagim, into maisim, into dinim. Every minog of the Jewish people is so precious because every minug of the Jewish people is taking that or elyon and is somehow bringing it into another area of life. That I hold my kiddush cup like this instead of like this. That I, that I, that I wear this color socks and that color socks. Sometimes we get mashuga about it. Okay, in the right? When your minhugim, meaning I, when when your minhugim start to become like something that you look down on, someone else doesn't have that minhug, then you don't understand how the or elion is capable of coming down in this exact particular way for this particular person. But when you look at it with the light of of, of a proper perspective, which Rav Cook was seeing the ore in everything, then you recognize that. Do you know how precious it is? Do you know how beautiful it is? That this type of chasidus, they put their payas wrapped around the ear like this and this one puts it behind the ear and this one keeps it down like this and this one, Dafka doesn't have payas at all and this one, you know, every, that every single, and that they do exactly what they're doing with their fathers, not to, not to abandon the Torah of their mothers and their fathers. Every minog is so precious because it's a refraction of that light into another corner of what does is, what is the Jewish sock look like? For me, for my, for, in my family, in my tradition, in that specific shvil that's coming down. What's a Jewish haircut look like? And then, once a person through study, and through appreciation, through pilpulim and svaros, brings that light into every corner of their life. Then, all of a sudden, you find yourself, like I was saying a a second ago, you find yourself in the middle of making a split pea soup or a vegetable soup in your house, and next thing you know, you're talking about God with your wife. Everywhere you are, all of a sudden, you're bumping into this or elion because it literally hits you everywhere. It hits you every time you put on your shoes and every time you take off your shoes. And a person starts to wash themselves in it. They become like completely surrounded in it. First you start to be pokeshbo. You start to meet it here and there. You see like little glimpses of it here and there and it's poking through. Until finally, a person starts to, it's like you're, like you're in a tub of it. You're, pick, you're being pickled in it. And then all of these different menhagim, all of these different pilpulim, all these different hanhagos, all these different, they all become a tapestry a beautiful tapestry of, of a Jewish life, of what it means to live a Jewish life. And the light of life of all worlds, meaning Hashem. And that light of the life of all worlds, which is the or, of, the or ain't so of itself. Is filled with a resplendent shining and, a, and, a, and an oneg at the light. Because Hashem wants to have a dwelling place down here in this world. Hashem is a dwelling place down here in this world because there are halachos that deal with every single facet of life. And so in every single corner of a person's life they're pogesh Hashem over and over and over again. For a person who has a healthy attitude, for a person who has not only just a healthy attitude but has the fortune of being in the presence of tzaddikim and having parents and having friends and being surrounded by people who they can recognize that this meeting place with Hashem is so wonderful. When they understand that Hashem wants to meet with you ever because He loves you so much, then they see every single, like the Zohar Kader says, which is what the Zohar was bringing to the world. The reason why the Zohar is called the Zohar, the illumination, the light of the Zohar. Kezohar Rakia. The Zohar says that the mitzvos are all etzos. Calls the six hundred thirteen mitzvos six hundred thirteen itin, which means six hundred thirteen mitz uh, uh etzos, uh, six hundred thirteen etzos of how a person can come to see Hashem in the world over and over again. They're etzos to come to anochi Hashem alukecha, and so for a person who's in love with God, so then the mitzvah, which is the foundation of everything, which is why, by the way the Ramban objected to the Rambam counting Emunah Ba'Hashem as one of the Sikkimotim because it's the foundation that everything is built on. Once a person has Emunah Ba'Hashem and has a, 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 this delicious relationship with Hashem, and ideally, that's why, by the way, when a person is raised in a, in a house that's healthy and is, so then my children, Baruch Hashem, as they're getting a little older, so they learn a little bit more and more and more, but my children, from the time that they're two and three years old, not that I'm, I'm not saying, not tooting my own parenting skills. I have much much to improve upon. But my children, from the time they're two and three years old, and I forget my children, myself, my, myself also. I knew and had a relationship with Hashem from the time I was two and three years old. I didn't know any halachos. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know how to bring that Or Elion, but I had a relationship with Or Elion. And my whole life, I felt, I've been able to, and I hear my kids all the time, my, my kids will in the, walking around the house and they'll be like Hashem help me find this thing or something. they'll be talking to Hashem like they have a relationship with Hashem they don't know almost anything they know that Shabbos we, we, we have khala and we don't turn on the lights and they don't, but they don't know Hilchus Shabbos they don't know Hilchus Kashros and they don't know Hilchus Tzitzis even if we put them on them like those are just that's part of Chinuch they just should like soak up the atmosphere a little bit but if we would drop them off on a desert island they would have no clue about anything about how to be a, a Yid but they would know what it means to be a Jew. They would know that they have access to this Oral And the goal of life is to take that relationship, that foundational relationship that the Ramban says is the, you, you can't have anything unless you have Anochi Hashem Lokecha. That's why it's not even one of the 613 mitzvos. Because the 613 mitzvos are Eitzos, like the Zohar says, to come to a place of Anochi Hashem Lokecha. To recognize, to see Hashem in every facet of your life. Mish'tashim heim yacha. They all start to make this tap in this beautiful Playful tapestry of a person. And you and Hashem together are filled with this delight of constantly being, constantly seeing Hashem everywhere and bumping into Him here and bumping into Him there. And all of this comes from someone who's Osik If you remember at the end of Os Beis, we said that Rav Kok mentioned that part of the Indian of learning Torah Lishma is that a person is and I explained to you based on the teaching from Rav Simcha Bonim that the world is filled with ways to possess God. Not that the world is filled with things that God owns. which is the normal interpretation is that everything is like that, that Hashem owns everything in the world. Everything is really property of God. It's the personal affects of the of the Shalom. Where Simchabonim explained, Malocha Arts Kinyanecha means the world is filled with ways to acquire God. Everything is an opportunity to acquire God. If only I will learn Torah Lishma, and I will learn Torah in such a way where I bring Hashem down into the most minute details of this world. The Torah is the ultimate vehicle that brings peace between the upper world and between our world down here. How and why? Because once the Torah brings itself down into this world, then this world becomes filled with Kedusha. There's not, in Judaism, there's no fight between this world. It's not, enough to run away from this world. Getting married is not something which uh, is frowned upon. We do Kedushin. We're learning Moselle's Kedushin. It's Kedushin. An act of a husband and wife being together, which seems to be this very, you know, in other religions, it's something which is either for the world to come or it's, or it's something which is not something that the highest level uh, of people who, who are connected to that religion are, are allowed to engage in because it's seen as something which is lowly. But once the Torah tells me how to bring that down in a way where this is how what we're supposed to do, this is what we're not supposed to do, this is what we're commanded to do, so then the whole thing becomes endowed with an otherworldly level of kedusha, And so no wonder, and that's exactly what the Gemara is doing, and we'll have to get close to ending in a minute but that's exactly what the Gemara is doing when you think about you go through uh, like I was mentioning before Mesechas Brachos and every Mishnah every other, every other Mishnah every other page of the Gemara is talking about all these things that are you know it's like it's almost like a hard thing to speak about it's like so much bodily functioning going on in Mesechas Brachos and really all over Shas you know and the reason that we're supposed to do this is because Hashem is trying to bring our minds away from a silly way of looking at the world. This kind of like, imagine a world where when you come and you see uh, excrement, all of a sudden you're orienting yourself to that. Or or, or physicality between a husband and a wife. Or, or, or some other aspect of part of life which is seemingly not... Holy, and you endow that with holiness by saying, How do I relate with this vis-a-vis my relationship with God? What can I and can I not do in the presence of this thing? And then I create all of these neural networks in my mind where every single time I come into contact with the lowliest parts of life. I'm also bring that Okay, we did it in OS space. we already spoke about that. There's plenty of times for life, and there's plenty of times in life when we are in a more philosophical or more you know, kind of like lofty type of setting where, okay, that the Torah has something to say about, about sanctifying time through the Yom Tovim, things like that. That's really, okay, that's really beautiful. But the fact that the Torah is able to come down into, this, into these tiniest little details of life and to be Nisiyashev, called Kach yofa Ba'olam HaMaisa, is really, for Rav Kuk, and I, I would say, this resonates with me very, very deeply, is really what makes Judaism like three-dimensional. It's that kedusha is able to penetrate every aspect of life, every aspect of life. So Hashem should help us that we should be zulchet to learn Torah Shmah. We should learn Torah in a way where we bring the or of Torah down into the niddiest, grittiest details, and we shouldn't be afraid of of getting lost in that because what the Torah wants, what Hashem wants, is for us to be able to bring Him into all four corners of the world, and that's what it means when the Gemara says. well end with this, That's what it means when the Gemara says. That Arba arba amos halacha And now that we have in the world, all, the only thing that Hashem has now, to, now that we don't have a Beis HaMikdash, this place of, of supreme loftiness of Pigisha of with Hashem, that halacha is the thing that brings Hashem, that creates this tiny little room that we're in right now, and the Beis Medrash and, 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 and other classrooms, all of these classrooms are filled with Kedushas Hashem, because when we take the Dalit amos of halacha, and that's what we're doing every single day. And we're learning here, uh, whatever sugya we happen to be in, in Kedushan, or for starting to trans, you know, transfer over to Psachim, or whatever we're getting ready to do. Every aspect of life is tinged with what does Hashem want me to do in this moment? How do I bring Hashem into this, into this seemingly disconnected part of, of, uh, of the spiritual discipline? And to free their bonus, Hashem should help us that we should free him from the base medjush and from the base of like the Altar Rabbi of Lubavitch said that when he came out of jail, which is the whole idea of Chasidus in general. When we when we take Hashem out of the base medrash and out of the base haknesses and we free him from that place by bringing him out into the marketplace and bringing him into the gym when we go to the gym and bring him to the swimming pool when we go to the swimming pool and bring him to the bedroom when we're in the bedroom and bring Hashem when we're brushing our teeth, the goal is to not trap Hashem in the base medrash. When I go there, I'm Jewish, and when I'm in shul, then I address Hashem. But then I leave shul and I go to dinner now. After it's six thirty, we're about to go to dinner. So then, like okay, then we'll leave Hashem back in the base medrash. We'll come back after chas The whole goal of Torah Lishma is to show how the Or Elyon of Hashem is is misyashev called kachya febba olam hamaiso. We should be zochat to do it. Amen.